It is the start, Mackling and McNabb, with you this morning. Brett McGarry returns tomorrow, and then Loren McNabb is off for the rest of the week. Loren, good morning. Good morning to you. How was your weekend? Not too bad at all. Got lots done. Did something I'd never done before. I think I'm going to pay the price today. We'll discuss that a little bit later. And uh, the weather is not cooperating. It's not doing what any of us want it to do. Feels like minus 28 at the airport, by the way, and minus 19. So one of those mornings where there's a drastic difference between the temperature downtown and the temperature at the airport, but we'll temper our anger a tiny bit based on what we've seen in the Southern United States, uh, the devastation there with tornadoes in particular, thunderstorms, hail damage, and lives literally turned upside down. We'll talk about that a little bit more on the next segment, but Going through those stories this morning, Loren, really had me tempering my my dismay with uh, the temperatures we're going to see for the next couple no, so of days. Mississippi, of course, hit really hard with the tornado there. I'm looking at reports coming out of Southern California. I, almost daily, I say, what's going on in California? Because yeah. they're seeing winter storms and all the rest and, and a windy start to the week. And they've even had some uh, tornadoes touch down the last three or four days, Bizarre. which is rare for them. And so, of course, you're watching what's going on today in some of those states. And in the meantime, you're also thinking about what did happen over the weekend uh, in Mississippi and more severe weather could be on the way there. And then, of course, as always, you know, it's it's so different here. But we're not looking at a deadly situation unless we get really bad wind and blizzard like conditions on our road. But we always are always watching snow and what could be coming to our region just because of flooding concerns. Right. Sure. And so Grand Forks, I know, has changed its flooding forecast They're taking a look at what might be going on in the red because all that comes here. So weather will be a big part of the discussion uh, for many of us throughout the next few hours, next few days. And tomorrow the federal budget comes down. You're hearing in Jeff Braun's newscast just a few moments ago, there could be some relief coming for some Canadians with regards to food pricing. I did uh, grocery shopping several times this weekend. It was just one of those weekends where it was easier to pick up things Friday, Saturday. And then I was at Costco yesterday. First time I'd been in a Costco store in probably about 15, 16 months. Oh, wow. I am my worst enemy, my own worst enemy in Costco. And a shout out to uh, one of our loyal listeners who came and said hi to me yesterday at Costco. Absolutely made my day. So uh, thanks for that. Of course, I just snagged uh, one of those one of those uh, samples. I think it was an apple turnover. <laughs> one of our listeners came up and said, I met you before. Oh, you got your mouth full uh, and all oh, the rest. Oh, just eating an apple turnover. Uh, I only mentioned that I was at Costco just because of how busy it was like there. I've used this quote before and I've, and I've, you know, I've pointed to Maurice Leggett, the former blue bomber linebacker five, six years ago, asked the poignant question. And I think very accurate. Uh, if you go to a Costco in the middle of the day, you might wonder, does anybody in Winnipeg have a job? I think that every time because our work, you know, we're off on a different shift. So you, I might end up there on a Tuesday morning at 1130 or a Thursday afternoon at one. And no matter what time I seem to go to any grocery store, they're slammed. Right. Not just that big box store. And then over the weekend, you know, I, I went to the symphony with one of my kids on Saturday night and we did a supper beforehand and the exchange and downtown were hopping in and around that concert time, which was wonderful to see. But the restaurant we went to was slammed one after the other coming in, like looking to, to sit down and we were at Kevin's Bistro and it was great mac and cheese, by the way, but but it was fascinating to see the amount of people who are out spending money when we know how hard it has been on our bottom lines for so many. There's a story in Jeff's newscast about lettuce prices 
rising and the relief that we're not seeing at both the pump and at the tail of the grocery store. So it's fascinating to know, you know, I'm included. Like I'm spending money even when I'm cringing while doing it. And yeah. So what kind of relief am I really honestly looking for? Yeah, well, I think we're all looking for uh, prices to come down. Is that uh, something that we can expect? Not going to come down on alcohol. That's a, a guarantee as there's a new a new tax coming on that. So we'll talk a little bit more about the federal budget coming up after Jeff Braun's news at 6.30. And then after 7 o'clock this morning, Loren, ultra processed foods. I think it's something that jumped out of at both of us in a report that we were sharing last week or a conversation that we were having uh, with regard to foods. And, and I had never heard of ultra, pro, ultra processed foods. We're going to break that down a little bit after seven o'clock. Well, I think a lot of us have heard that processed foods, some can be bad for you. And then now they're the additional term that's kind of become really widely discussed amongst health professionals over the past few years is ultra processed. So what is ultra processed versus processed? Which ones are good? Which ones are bad? Is there such thing as a good one? I don't know. And what should I be, be, be avoiding? Because I think we turn to those kinds of foods, not just because of, you know, flavor or ease to make them like the frozen pizzas or the hot dogs. It's also more affordable, some of those foods. And so you choose them at a time like this because of the cost of groceries. But is there a longer term cost to your health that you need to try to consider. So we'll delve into that after seven. Cost, not only in terms of your initial purchase, but also cost in terms of time, because so many of those foods do save you time. And when you're working overtime, you're doing your best to bring in as much money as you can. Sometimes time is the enemy. And so those processed or, as we'll learn after seven o'clock, ultra processed foods become an increasingly popular option for many of us. Uh, We were talking about our favorite times of the year last week, and I defaulted to fall because of the grime factor and how dirty things are in our city for so many weeks in spring. With this colder weather as we head in and towards the first week of April, sticking around for a bit, do we know how that may delay Winnipeg's cleanup that we see every spring? Every year you do it, right? You pull up to a parking spot or a traffic light, or you might be biking through the Cinnaboyne Forest or something, and you come to one of those corners where you think, ugh, you know, if you just litter all over the sidewalk or the, just the snow itself is filthy and you just either want to have a fresh snow to clean it up or just have it melt completely. So we're going to ask, take pride because they're the people that try to encourage us to take pride in Winnipeg. When could we see some cleanup? When do those volunteer crews get out there and, uh, you know, dog poop questions might get asked too. But I want to ask one quick spring question to you. Sure. Because spring usually is a playoff feeling kind of time. Do you <sighs> dare? Do I dare ask you about hockey? I've you avoided feel free. it. I've avoided it until this moment of the show to ask you the Jets. Didn't I mean it wasn't too bad of a start. Oh. Saturday? <laughs> They gave up a goal in the first minute. I mean, come on. The first 35 seconds. What, like, what's was going good. on? I hadn't even sat oh, down yet. I was I just know. fixing a beverage. and, and I was I behind g- the same way on the scores, and I was just checking. And I thought, what? Like, is the game even started? They're losing before they begin. So I knew a bunch of people that were at the game in Los Angeles on Saturday. I had been planning to be at that game. Last weekend, I was going to try and take a couple of days and swing down and see my buddy Scott in San Diego and work in a couple of Jets games, one in Anaheim where the Jets managed a win. Well, they did not manage a win on Saturday. And I think like a a lot of Jets fans, I'm, I'm just 
frustrated with the with the seeming, and I'm going to use the word seeming because I never like to judge how much effort somebody's putting into something because I don't know. But that's how it feels that some of the the Jets' top players are not necessarily putting in a top line effort. We'll we'll speak about the Jets later on this morning. They're back at it. Their California trip continues in San Jose Tuesday night. So I'm sure those those uh, those boys are enjoying their time in California. Don't enjoy it too much because you need to win a game tomorrow night in San Jose. Uh, the, the it's like playoffs, the opposite speech you give your kids at 10. Just go out there and have fun. God's no, like, do no not fun. have as much There's fun. No Take fun this allowed. seriously. We need to win. Yes. Mackling McNabb with you. McGarry returns tomorrow. I got a story that invo- involves Brett McGarry in just a moment. But Loren, we want to clarify something here because based on the amount of noise that's being generated surrounding this increased tax on alcohol, I completely blew the explanation and the amount of money that this might be costing us uh, eventually because this is a 6.4% increase of the tax that's built into the to the cost of alcohol. So it's not on it's not all adding another of it. percent to the overall cost. It's so, so according to the alcohol or, or the uh, article, <laughs> pardon the uh, Freudian slip there, uh, p- according to the article I'm looking at here, we're talking about like 25 cents on a, on a 12 pack of beer. Yeah. 12 pack up by 10 to 25 cents, a bottle of wine, you know, could see another three or four cents to it. So it's not as dramatic as it sounds, but wow. we'll get more into that. All right. Maybe still I, too much. Still too much. Still says too much. Us. Okay, Greg, your experience. We're almost out of time in this segment. So yesterday, uh, yours truly, uh, Brett McGarry, uh, went to our respective first ever hot yoga class. Shout out to Reed and the gang over at Moto Yoda Yoga. We uh, did uh, yoga for golfers yesterday, and it was hot yoga. I didn't know it was a hot yoga, and so did not dress for hot yoga. <laughs> uh, it was hard, and for me, it was eye-opening <laughs> to realize that... Um, the athleticism that I may have ever possessed is like way in the rear view mirror. It was very, very eye opening, but I may, I might do it. I might do it again. So let's talk about the time you tried something new and hated it, loved it, regretted it. Poitras. Uh, well, you know, the, the one thing that I, I never thought I would like is tennis and I didn't get to do it last year, but I love playing tennis. I don't like watching it on TV or anything like that. Um, but playing it is great. Uh, the one workout that I've done and you probably sweat like crazy, eh, Greg? Like it was pouring out of you. Like I, I did, Unreal. I did, I did, I did boxing one time and I actually was talking to Tyson Rewicki, producer here at 680 CGOB. He was doing kickboxing and the workout was just insane for boxing. Like I went to two workouts and I quit because, and because it was just ridiculous. Like I couldn't even get out of bed. I was so beaten, <laughs> bruised and he got a kick to the head and he, that's when he said it was enough. But that was like, for me, I was like, why am I doing this? Like I could, I could still get exercise without beating the living crap out of myself. And I was never going to get in a ring. Like I'm not a fighter. Like I can't, I've never punched anybody ever. So it's like, I couldn't do it. There's no you weren't way. doing the John Favreau thing. Like when he was on friends and he wanted to join the MMA and just what a disaster that was. You know, at the end of the day, when you try and kick off your pants <laughs> and sometimes it gets stuck on your leg and it takes a bit. After that, I have to sit on the edge of the bed for two minutes and regain my (laughs) composure before moving on with things. So, yeah. That's the voice of Jeff Braun. Uh, Something you tried, liked, regretted, hated. 
Uh, relearning to skate a couple of years ago, the first winter of the pandemic, I was like, oh, I should go get some skates because everyone is thinking of stuff to do, right? And so I tried skating. It hurt my feet worse than I could possibly have imagined. Worst part of it. Oh, my goodness. I did it a few times, and I didn't really get any better at it. Uh, kind of like Bambi out there on the ice. So I haven't gone skating the last two winters. Uh, I just uh, I was like, you know what? Uh, if skating's in the past, that's fine. I'm done with it. Jeff Forche. Oh, uh, the first time I went kayaking, like I was, it was, I was in camp, like I was young, and I remember just, when you see people go upside down their kayaks, like I thought, if I'm going to do this, it's going to be the end of me, I'm going to drown, <laughs> I'm going to be dead, it's just, it's not going to go well. Well, I get into the kayak, and I just had the greatest time, and uh, it would be hours, and my buddy had the same thing, like he's like, no, I don't want to go kayaking, and was like, no, man, it's fun. He finally does it, and when we were like 12 or 13, and uh yeah, we went for hours and hours, and so I still love uh, going kayaking to this day. Oh, I was going to ask if you still do it. Where do you do that, Jeff? Up on the lake? Yeah, we have a couple of kayaks out at the cottage. Outstanding. How long do we have for McNabb's story here? Like 20 seconds. I'll be quick. I love swimming. I love tubs. Like, I love baths. I love spas. I love hot tubs. I like, what do you call it? Like, your schwitz? Like, your schwitz steaming? Like, I love steam. I love all those things of relaxation. I went and tried to float. A couple of years ago, do you know what I'm oh, talking about? Where oh. like you're like in the yeah yeah yeah. Like the, they close a container mm, on you and you just float in like, a, a, like, like one of those seven tanks. or eight inches of water, and you're supposed to be in there for an hour and immersed and enjoyed. It was I couldn't I needed to get out of there. Like I kept feeling the walls like as if I was trapped. Not like I was going to die. Too many of your own thoughts. Like I don't want to be uh, alone with my own thoughts like that. Who does? I'm already, I already am, and I don't want to. So at the airport, it currently feels like minus 30. It's minus 21 there. Feels like minus 22 at Portage in Maine. It's minus 16 outside 680. CJOB. It's actually getting colder, right? With the wind? Is it because the wind speed must be picking up? I suppose so, Loren McNabb. Uh, North-northwest at uh, 14 kilometers per hour. That's at the uh, airport. Minus 21 is the air temperature. What is it? Let me just double check. January 27th, right? Checking the date. March 27th? Oh, yeah, exactly. Just feels like January 27th. <laughs> We're not complaining, though, right? We nope. uh, decided earlier this morning, based on what uh, some of our... Our friends and neighbors in the southern United States are going through. We're not going to complain about a little bit of cold. We're built for this stuff. It's Mackling and McNabb with you. McGarry returns tomorrow. Spring break is upon us. I'm sure that will infiltrate part of our discussions this morning. Uh, Loren, I know we're supposed to be having a conversation about food and ultra-processed food right now, just waiting to uh, hear from a guest. But what role does... Um, you know, pizza and hot dogs and some of those uh, quick serve, ready to eat, uh, easy to prepare options. What, what role do they play in your house? It depends on how busy we are. Uh, you don't see them often unless we have one of those back-to-back nights of activities, right? And you're just trying to squeeze three different meals into three different hours because the kids are on the go. But then there'll be some weeks where it plays a big role in your life where the kids are home alone and that's what they know how to cook is the frozen pizzas and the chicken fingers and the French fries and those kinds of things. They can also do a couple extras, but it's the it's the processed foods that make life 
I'm going to put this in quote easier, or they can be cooked fairly quickly, fairly simply, and fairly cheaply. And so we want to have that chat about, you know, well, what's the long-term cost on our bodies with these sorts of things? Yeah. So from frozen pizza to hot dogs, instant soup, uh, put up your hand virtually if you've uh, had one of those for lunch or supper this week yourself. So they're popular, affordable, and in some cases, ultra processed. It's a term that applies to any food that goes through several steps of processing, like molding, milling, before it's put into that box. And there's a growing body of research that shows these types of foods, some of them at least, are bad for us. Carol Dombrow is a dietitian and nutrition consultant at the Heart and Stroke Foundation. Good morning, Carol. Good morning. Let's start with that term. Can you walk me through what might those ultra-processed items be? Sure. You did a good job of describing it, and certainly the types of foods that you talked about fit perfectly in that. So ultra-processed foods, they've changed from what they're they're started off as to what they end up as, and that's because of all the added ingredients. So things like sugar, fat, uh, salt, your additives, your preservatives, your artificial colors, these food, and then the foods are manipulated to end up in, with a final product in many cases. If you think about things like fruit leather, you know, it started, I don't think it even started off as with fruit in it to begin with, but the end result has no bearing to what fruit looks like and the benefits of fruit. Potato chips, like there's not much potato in there, you know, so you're looking at foods that don't resemble what a whole food looks like. Things like soft drinks and candies and chocolates, your sweetened breakfast cereals, packaged soups, chicken nuggets, unless you make them at home, hot dogs. Those are the kinds of foods that we're talking about. Foods with long ingredient lists. Like if you you look at the back of the package and you look what's in it and you don't recognize many of the ingredients, those foods are most likely ultra-processed. The two words that sort of jumped out in the introduction for me, Carol, milling and molding. And so I just realizing that Pringles potato chips like don't come out of nature like that? <laughs> not at all. Not <laughs> okay. at all. No, and of course, I, I, I don't think any of us believe that they do. But have we turned a blind eye to the, the nutritional quality slash benefit and detriments based on the convenience of these foods because we live very busy lifestyles. Should we be condemning people for having these as, as, as part of their, of their menu item and their menu choices for, for feeding uh, their families? Well, it depends on what percent it, it takes up in your diet. So right now we know that Canadians are consuming about 50% of their daily calories from ultra-processed foods. And kids 9 to 13 are up to 60%. And, you know, Heart and Stroke just released a report last week about uh, marketing to kids. And when they talk about marketing to kids, they're talking about these ultra-processed foods that industry is marketing to kids. So, you know, we're worried about our kids. We're worried about the um, their eating habits. And you're starting young. These are the kinds of foods they're going to be used to. These are the f- kinds of foods they're going to grab when they're on their own. We want them to eat whole foods. We want them to learn to eat properly. Um, and, what, and why? Like, what should my message be to my kids? Because I have the granola bars in my house and I have the little fruit snacks and things that you toss in, sort of the fillers, as I call yeah. it, which is probably not how I should look at it, Carol. But what's my explanation to my kid to dumb it down for him as to why he shouldn't be having those at, at the rate he'd like to consume them? 
Sure. The the challenge is that these foods don't have don't contain beneficial nutrients. So the the food the nutrients that you get from eating fruits and vegetables you're not getting from these fruit leathers. You know they and they have too many of the bad ingredients like the sugar, fat, and salt. The other issue is that when you eat these foods, you don't have room for good food because it's taking up too much of your diet. So you're you're not getting your nutrients. You're not, you know, it's not adding to your um, good nutrition in your diet, and it's not good for you because the diets high in ultra processed foods are going to be linked are linked to obesity, diabetes, high blood pressure, all factors, risk factors for heart disease and stroke. I hear the terminology empty calories. Is that what yeah. we're talking about yeah, here? For sure, for sure. Carol, we've run out of time here. Uh, will you make yourself available for us uh, somewhere down the road? This is a conversation I don't think is going anywhere. We appreciate the education. Sure, I'd be happy to, and I'm hoping people will go back to Whole Foods. You can make it simple, but eat Whole Foods. Where can we get some advice on that, Carol? The Heart and Stroke website, heartandstrokefoundation.ca, uh, I believe. There's lots of information. There's lots of recipes. All healthy. And as we've been doing all morning, just because of the discrepancy at the airport, the wind chill minus 30 and the temperature minus 21 on this chilly start to spring break week. Mackling and McNabb with you on this Monday morning. Third M comes tomorrow. Brett McGarry returns, but then Loren McNabb is gone for the rest of spring break. Big plans, big uh Nothing too crazy, but we're all we're gonna get out and try to explore a bit of Manitoba. So I'm looking forward to that. And staycation, more stay, or less. It's a staycation, but we're gonna we are gonna stay in a couple different spots if we can make it work. And and as we talk about spring break this week and what you might be doing with your kids after eight, we're gonna talk spring cleaning. I don't know if that sunshine made you feel like digging a few things out of the yard or the garage or the basement this weekend, getting things a little bit more organized. But we're going to talk about our streets, spring cleaning on our streets with Take Pride Winnipeg just after eight. My backyard is still a frozen hellscape. There's no other word for it. And uh, I'm dying to get out in the yard, but the, the snow is just not melting enough. I've got a frozen, uh, what, what do you call it, storm drain basin? Like the, the the drain on my street, so I've got a mini Lake Winnipeg happening on my front street. Could probably go snorkeling in that if I wanted to, but a little bit cold. We start this half hour discussing the use of agency nurses, and that continues to climb in Manitoba, Lorraine, with the latest numbers showing the demand for help is at its highest in the Prairie Mountain Health Region. And this really has been the case for several years now. So if you're not familiar, the Prairie Mountain Health Region, its a, that's a massive health authority. It covers everything from Swan River in the north to Dauphin, Brandon, Melita, Boisevain, and all the little towns in between. So far in the 2022-23 fiscal year, Prairie Mountain has spent more than $18 million on agency nurses. So that's nearly twice the amount of the next closest region, with numbers showing Interlake spent $9 million, the North and the South spending $7 million, and the WRHA just $1.6 million on agency nurses. So we're trying to figure out what's going on in Prairie Mountain Health, and we're joined by its CEO, Brian Scubart. Good morning, Brian. Good morning. How are you? I'm good, thank you. So let's just go through the numbers first. $18 million to bring in agency nurses, nurses from private agencies into the public system. How might that compare to previous years? Are we trending up or down? Oh. 
Yeah, we're de definitely trending up. If we look at the pre-COVID um, numbers, uh, probably we were closer to a third of that or about six uh, million. So it's definitely crept up. The big reason um, being is that, you know, we are having more and more folks join agency nurses. So more of our staff are joining agencies. And but secondly, we're just have the shortage of staff right now. And we rely a lot on agency. Otherwise, it's asking staff to do overtime. Are you, do you have a situation, though, Brian, where you might be bringing nurses back into the hospital or to the, you know, health care or the personal care home that were, your, were two weeks ago with the public system and now you're paying them a little bit more because they've moved over to that private side? Yes. But um, I have to say that an agency cost, uh, if they say, for example, if I'm going to pick on Dauphin. If Dauphin had a nurse that moved over to agency and they still live in Dauphin, so there's no onus on us to pay either um, travel or uh, room, the cost is about equal because we factor in um, our employee benefits costs. So there's a small premium, but it's very small. The cost that really affects us is whether they have to travel a distance because we pay them for their travel and we pay them pay them for their lodging if they need to stay overnight. So, for example, you mentioned that our region goes all the way up to Swan. Swan River, if we use agency there, it's going to be much more expensive, especially if that nurse were to come from Winnipeg. Whereas in Brandon, if the agency probably is living in Brandon, there's very little incremental cost to having an agency. So, Brian, as I understand it, one of the attractions to becoming an agency nurse is, is a little bit more control over your schedule. And so that quote-unquote forced overtime or those requests for overtime when you've already maybe worked a 12-hour shift, can you stick around for another six hours, that sort of thing. Does that go away? Is that part of the attractiveness? And so does that pose other challenges for the system and for those who are not working in an agency that are still part of that public system? Can you help us with that? Yeah, absolutely. So you're correct. I mean, it gives the, um, the, the individual, the nurse or, or aide or whomever is, is um, because we have agencies uh, for both. But um, it is all about that they have more flexibility about when they want to pick up shifts. And they know that, um, you know, they might still be working up, up, I don't know, 0.5 for us, and then also working for the agency. So sometimes it, they do both. But it is all about wanting to pick up when they wanting to pick up because they want that quality of life. They want to know that, you know, they're not going to be asked to do overtime. Um, so it is quite different. But this is all possible because there's such a shortage of staffing right now. Now, the government is doing, I believe, a great job in trying to rectify that through a number of means. But until we get our numbers of nurses and aides up in the province, there'll still be this attractiveness to go to an agency so they can pick and choose when they want to work. So if I'm a patient right now, whether I'm in Prairie Mountain Health, where the agency nurses are used the most in this province or, you know, in Winnipeg, what should I be hearing in this? Because should I be concerned returning to agency nurses on a growing basis? Or if they're filling a hole, does it make a difference in my care? Like, is it costing more overall? Is it costing care in terms of transition of care? Like, what should be the concern or not concern here as far as you're concerned, Brian? 
Well, there's a few things. It does cost us more. So like I said, that mileage, the travel time, the accommodations, that is costing us. And we know that the incremental cost of that is um, is, a, is a true burden on the region. But what we're trying to do is keep as many services open as possible. So, you know, it's a trade-off. We don't want to reduce any more services than we've already had to. We want to make the services available to um, the residents of our region. So we are bringing in the agency. Now, there are, of course, downfalls to the agency in addition to um, the cost. The other thing is they obviously, uh, if they're coming in just for one or two shifts, then the familiarity with the nursing staff or having a more consistent um, nursing care is not going to be possible. But on the other hand, if there's a sick call, if there's um, you know somebody we haven't filled a vacancy, then that's really our only choice, like I said, other than um, overtime. So it's a trade-off. We want to maintain care, but at the same time, there is a cost to bringing in agency. But at this point, we are definitely um, bringing in the agency regardless of the cost, um, because we do believe that it is going to be shorter term. It's still going to be a couple of years that we have vacancies, but we know we're treading in the right direction. Brian Schoonbart is our guest. He is the CEO of the Prairie Mountain Health Authority. And Brian, uh, Glenboro is one example where maybe they're seeing uh, reduced service at their hospital. Are there others? And and before we let you go, what do those uh, reduced hours mean for prospective patients, for the public, and maybe concerns over uh, overall accessibility to the health care that that your citizens at Manitobans expect? Yeah, Glenboro is one that has just recently been affected by, um, you know, in that case, it, it started with a short, uh, with one doctor leaving. And, and in a smaller site, um, one doctor, maybe a few nurses, um, all of that can actually uh, really make a difference on whether we can keep the services maintained or not. It's that precarious, um, especially since there's not the casual or part-time staff that are able to pick up. So that's why it's so difficult. And of course, like we mentioned already, the staff aren't really very happy if they have to be uh, asked to do overtime or if they are having to be seconded and go to a different location because we do that on occasion as well. But we have more than just Glenboro right now. We have a number of sites that where the services are reduced or we've even had to reduce the, um, for example, the number of days or the, um, the number of hours in a day where we might have ER services or the number of beds. We might have had 24 and now it's down to to 12. I mean, we're doing everything we can in addition to trying to get agency staff to make sure we're doing everything we possibly can to maintain services. Brian, sorry, before, sorry to interrupt, just because you were talking about you have a a long list there. Do you have a sense of how many sites in your region are not operating as, you know, usual or, or at the norm? I would say, I would say at least half of our sites are not operating at norm, but that could be from as little as just affected by a couple of beds or as much as like in the case of Treherne, we actually had to close services off for a period of time for a number of months. But 
Treherne has good news. We're going to be able to recruit uh, staff right away. They're going to reopen. Um, so it's great. So that's the main point I want to make as well. Even though a site can have uh, staffing issues, that doesn't mean it's permanent. It means that for a period of time we struggle, but we know that in most of our sites, the things can get better and they have gotten better and they have been able to reestablish the services they once had. Brian Schoonbart is the CEO of the Prairie Mountain Health Authority. Uh, Brian, we appreciate the access and the uh, inside look as to what's going on in Prairie Mountain. Uh, We appreciate you leaving the communication lines open. Thank you very much. Mackling and McNabb with you. We're just watching Global News Morning and Carrie Anderson's rank from Gimli. Congratulations to them. Winning the bronze medal at the World Curling Championship. Switzerland wins again. And Lorend, I have to commend the Anderson rank because the bronze medal game, that is the most difficult game to play in any tournament because you're obviously disappointed that you're not competing for gold, but you still have to win that bronze medal. You sort of, when you get a silver, you've lost gold. It's the consolation prize. But a bronze medal game, that, that's a difficult game to get up for. And you could see the look of disappointment even in accepting those bronze medals, in particular on the face of Carrie Anderson. But the, in my mind, that's what makes her a champion. She wants more all the time, regardless of the result. Yeah, they're going to maybe work to get back there next year and, and go after it again. Because, yes, for sure, they were after gold this week and, and they won the bronze and it was a decent game, but I could see it on her face. There wasn't a lot of smiles there. So we'll maybe talk a little curling after 8.30. We're for sure going to talk some Jets because there's lots of consternation amongst fans Mm. in the Jets world with what is going on? How do we get these top performers to perform? So we'll have that chat just after the news at 8.30. We're also giving away Manitoba Moose tickets and you have to tell us a story about something that you've tried, something new that you've tried. Maybe you've fallen in love with it. Maybe you didn't like it very much. Maybe your body said, what? In the heck are you doing that on the heels of uh, Brett and I having our first hot yoga experience yesterday? It was very eye-opening, and Stacy sends us a text that says this, Golf thought it was a boring game to watch and still do, but about five years ago I inherited a set of golf clubs from my cousin. There was a guy I've seen walking around with a few clubs. He would hit a few vacant lots and hit practice foamy balls when he couldn't get to the driving range. I was going to give him the set, but he said, no, you need to hit the ball, so... He nor I have played around, but still hit the range. That's a love-hate relationship, no matter how much you play or how much you don't, Stacey. So uh, stick with it. 204-780-6868 if you want to get in on that part of the conversation and an opportunity to win Manitoba Moose tickets. We kick off this hour with getting cleaned up. I spent a good chunk of Saturday in uh, my garage, Loren. My garage continues. It's actually, it's moved from... uh, source of embarrassment to now a source of pride because my garage is getting it's not it's not gone from tidy now I'm moving into that sort of ultra organized uh phase of the of the garage redo so thank you for Sort of, you didn't realize that you've been encouraging me <laughs> to do this over the years. Encourage yes. you to, to get in there. Well, I, a lot of spring cleaning happened in sure. earnest over the weekend, right? It might have been in your garage, your home, but there's something about the sun and the warming up, even though it didn't feel much warmer with that wind, I think had a lot of people moving. But we want to ask a question this morning about what you're seeing or how you'd like to clean up your shared sidewalks, your parks, or boulevard from all that dirt and the grime and the litter that is now making its way 
out into the world as the snow melts. Tom Ethan is the executive director of Take Pride and joins us now. Good morning, Tom. Good morning. So I know it's too early for your annual litter index when you sort of count the issue that's out there, whether it's uh, cigarette butts or garbage or other. But anecdotally, with what you're seeing this year, how does it compare to previous years? Well, we're seeing uh, some of the streets are looking not too bad, but then there's others that are looking as bad as uh, they can get. And uh, I was down a couple of streets uh, over the last couple of days and, and saw, for an example, uh, Sherbrooke uh, from Portage Avenue to Notre Dame uh, looked looked horrendous, and it would take a, a, a large group of volunteers uh, quite a bit of time to pick that up, and that's with still a lot of snow on the ground, and I don't know how much litter is underneath all that snow. So there are some streets that are, are really not looking great, but then there's some uh, parts of downtown that, that have already started to be cleaned by some of the downtown biz people, and it's not looking horrible, uh, but we got a long way to go, and there's a lot of litter out there. When does the city start its cleanup of of the gravel and the dirt and the grime and all the signs and everything, uh, Tom? I know you don't want to start that stuff too early because if you do get a late spring storm and then you got to lay down gravel again, it's sort of a waste of money. Is there is there a, a definite date or or is it very dependent on what we see weather wise? It's very dependent on what you see, but I'm, I'm thinking that you're gonna you're gonna probably hopefully see it around the third week of April. Uh, but uh, that that'll help to clean up some of the streets, and uh, which is great. But then we will still have lots of litter out there, and we'll need a lot of volunteers, uh, schools, businesses, community groups. Uh, let's get everybody signing up to uh, to get involved. How can we do that, Tom? Before we let you go. Well, if anybody wants to get involved, all they got to do is email us, uh, Carrie C A R R I E at TakePride.mb.ca. And uh, we'd love to get you to help us out. Tom, always great to catch up with you. Thanks for uh, doing what you do, and you've been doing it such a long time. How long now at Take Pride Winnipeg? Uh, Well, I've been at Take Pride Winnipeg since 97. And absolutely love what we do and and what we can to try and make our city and our province clean and beautiful. Are we a cleaner bunch in the 20 years or so that you've been doing this, or less? You know, I think we are cleaner, and I think one of the great things is that we are, we get a lot of volunteers, and that's the best thing is, is Winnipeg, Winnipeggers and Manitobans are great about volunteering and helping uh, to make things better, and uh, we, need, we need to continue that. I think it's a great message. We'll leave it there. Tom Ethans, we appreciate you. Executive Director of Take Pride Winnipeg. Over the weekend, I think it was Sunday, one year since the passing of Taylor Hawkins, drummer of the Foo Fighters, who you're hearing in the background right now. Greg Mackling, Loren McNabb with you. It's Mackling and McNabb. Brett McGarry returns tomorrow. Loren, uh, all sorts of text messages about the things that you've tried, succeeded at, failed at, somewhere in between. But a text message of a different sort about firsts this morning. 
we could potentially hit a first tonight, something we haven't seen in, in more than, you know, 40, 50 years, is the fact that the overnight low is going to be minus 23 tonight. Well, that hasn't happened since 1970 when it was minus 26, a record breaker. So we're entering that record territory for lows for March for this time of year. <sighs> the average high is supposed to be two degrees. So it's why some people are complaining about the spring, because the sun is shining. You, you look outside and you feel like, oh, it's going to be a great day because it's March 27th. It must be warmer outside, but it's not the case. But there are signs springs are, spring is coming. We had Warren text just a few seconds ago to say spring is around the corner now. I just saw my first Canada goose of the season. Warren, keep that good news coming. All of you keep the good news coming on the spring front. 204-780-6868. The little signs that spring is, in fact, on its way, even if the thermometer isn't one of those signs at the moment. Right now, by the way, minus 29 up in Thompson. That's not wind chill. That's the actual temperature. Sort of cold right now. The Winnipeg Jets. It was a rough afternoon for the Jets. Saturday in Los Angeles, the Kings topped the Jets 4-1 as as team hometown looks to hold on, Loren, to their precarious playoff position as the number eight seed in the Western Conference. So if we go to earlier in the season, the Jets assistant captain Mark Shifley's play, it was being celebrated as the Veteran Center has 38 goals so far. Greg, I think you were calling him Mark Shifley the redemption tour. I was. At the start... Anyway, now we're looking for some of those qualities again because Jets fans, observers alike, are all asking what is going on with number 55. Jim Toth is the co-host of Jets on Noon, host of the Jim Toth Show from 1 to 3, and a member of our Jets coverage team on 680 CJOB. He also left me a note, Greg, I just noticed on my desk Friday that said, bring Jim more coffee. I'm assuming that was you, Jim, was it? <laughs> it wasn't my handwriting. I just noticed it like 10 minutes ago. Well, first of all, good morning. Second of all, way to go, Greg. You jinxed Shifley. And third of all, I've been leaving notes at your desk when I'm in to do the games because I sit at your desk and watch the games while I listen to Paul and Jamie call it overhead. Why did you sit and- at your own desk? Because it's too far away from the television. It's like four feet farther from Get the television. Oh, you, wait. You you've, have... got that, you've got that prime veteran seat that is just perfect <laughs> at the television. You Get don't strain your desk. neck. I you don't strain your eyes. Stop sitting at my desk. The lounger, Barker lounger chair you have at your desk with the free wet bar is just, that's the way to watch the game while you listen to the guys call it on 680CJOB. Tother. So, but I've been leaving those notes for like, three months now. I'm glad you finally acknowledge him because I've gotten today. nothing from you. It's sort of like Barry Bonds when he was with the Giants, right? Exactly, kind of that, yeah. that no-go zone around uh, McNabb's desk. It's sort of like Barry Bonds' locker. Darren, our, our weekend news guy, Matt, walked by and said, what's the score? And I'm like, don't talk to me. I'm in the Loren desk. <laughs> All right, get lost. You might not have wanted to talk based on what you're seeing. So let's talk about Shifley for a second. You said we jinxed him. Is that because you think the scrutiny is un- unwarranted or what's going on? Oh, no, just because of how he's fallen off. Got it. I think the, the scrutiny is very warranted, and I was very impressed with Mark Shifley. Um, you know, from the way it ended last year after the Seattle game and the comments he made about not being happy and have to worry about his future and himself. <clears throat> Pardon me. And then to the fact that uh, we had him on around uh, the, the Manitoba Open when he was taking part in that, and, and um, he just said, you know, that's how he's feeling at the time. He's had some great conversations with the Bonus, and then as the season started, he was off to a great start, but he also talked about how great he liked playing for Rick Bonus, how much he liked the system, and how things were different than what he'd been accustomed to the last couple of years, and uh, everybody thought, and including myself, 
he was well on his way. But since then, I believe in the last eight games, he's been on the ice for 13 goals against the, the seven games, the past seven games that they have allowed the first goal. He's been on the ice for all seven of them or for the first goal against, and he only has two assists in, in that time. So, um, this is a time of the year where your best players need to be your best players. And if they're not your best players, they have to be playing good. And Mark Shifley is just not simply playing good. He has not had a shot on goal all game against Los Angeles, and it's the second game in the last three. He hasn't registered a shot on goal. Um, you need your number one center, and, and I'm not sure what's going on with Mark Shifley right now. And then the other part of it is he was benched a couple of weeks ago in Carolina, um, he is not speaking to the general media about that. He did speak to two reporters when he came out while Josh Morrissey was speaking uh, to the general um, scrum of the reporters that were there. And he, I haven't heard from him since. So um, I, I don't know what's going on with him. I, I don't know if it's uh, something personal or if it's just the system or if he's injured at all, but they need him desperately right now. They need their top six to play better right now overall. And parts of the top six have had a good game or two, and then and then it falls off. And Mark Shifley has just not even had a good game or two in the last eight games. And uh, it's it's quite quite mysterious to me on how he has not shown up. He has uh, proven in the 2008 playoff run of the Western Conference Final when he set a record for road goals. Uh, how dynamic he can be come playoff time. And and this is playoff time. This is the stretch drive when they need him most. And he not only is not playing well, he has just disappeared from, from producing and he's actually costing the team. So it, it's a mystery. I don't know any other team's number one center that has gone into a hole like this at this time of the year. Well, and he may not be the number one center in reality right now in the eyes of fans and maybe even in the eyes of Rick Bonus with uh, with Pierre-Luc Dubois back in the lineup. We can argue and discuss that uh, probably for an entire hour, Jim, and we probably will uh, once you get into the station. But George read my mind almost 100% with this text message uh, just a little bit ago. Uh, Greg, do you remember before the season started, we didn't know the Jets' identity? We do now. This is George now saying it's gutless. Our star defenseman gets cross-checked in the face and no response. George is calling himself an embarrassed Jets fan. And I, this is a two-fold response or lack thereof in my mind. Jim, not only does anybody make uh, the, the L.A. King player pay for what he did to Morrissey, uh, ultimately a one-game suspension, so that'll tell you I think it was 17 stitches. But teams almost have a license to do this if you don't respond. And if you don't respond on the power play, teams are going to take liberties all over the ice because the Jets' power play isn't making teams pay when they do stupid things like that either. No, it's not. And that's where you like to make him pay the most. Um, The problem with the retribution is Blake Lazat was kicked out of the game. Um, I, I think if you find a Blake Lazat in the lineup uh, in the playoffs, should the team make it and should the team face the LA Kings, you might see a different thing. Um, I, you know, t- to me, that kind of stuff is we're at a point in the game where they're trailing and they desperately need the points. Um, if somebody goes after them, I, I, like Adam Lowry, who's been the guy who does that, I, I don't disagree with it. I, I think that's part of the game. And I think uh, I like the part of the game where the players police themselves. But also, I thought the most important part yesterday or on Saturday was that five-minute power play needing to, to, to get some goals, and it only got one. Uh, they need to get that going. That power play goal Pierre-Luc Dubois scored off the Blake Lazat cross-check to Josh Morrissey's face was the first one in 23 attempts 
uh, almost five or six complete games, five and a half games. So you're right, Greg, there's not much pushback. When we talk team identity, I'm, I'm with you. Like this is a team that when they were successful the first three months, they defended well and their offense came from defending and, and they're not doing that right now. They're not picking up guys beside the net. That's why they're getting scored on by the first goal. They're exiting the zone a little too soon, even though the system wants you to do that, but the puck's not getting anywhere to the players and it's the star players that are doing it. The best players on this team the last three weeks have been their bottom six players that are, are elevating their game. Yep. Morgan Barron, Adam Lowry is one of the leaders on the team who, who said, I'll do it. I'll, I'll get better. I'll play better. I'll create some things. And that's what you need from the top six. And the top six at this time of the year just hasn't been good enough and they haven't been consistent enough. Um, Blake Wheeler's another one of those players who's got 50 points in 60 some games and he's been MIA for the last two to three weeks. Now, Saturday, um, he had five shots on net. And I thought, you know, here we go. We'll see something come from this. And then I look and Mark Scheifele doesn't have any. Nick Ehlers has looked good over the past three weeks in pockets and then uh, nothing to show for it. Kyle Connor had a great game in Anaheim. He was engaged. He was all over the ice. He had a tap-in goal. He got a goal going to the net and bearing a rebound. The greasy goals that when you're in a slump, you need to get to. And then Saturday, I didn't see much from him either. So um, production-wise, anyway, they can't let the power play continue to hurt them now. It's it's now become something that really hurts them. If they don't get something, you see the team get deflated by it. And uh, it's a mental thing for this group that shouldn't be like this. This is a group that has been around since 2017, 2018. They've been to the playoffs. They've been upset in the first round. They've gone to a Western Conference final. They've swept an Edmonton Oilers team and then got swept themselves by Montreal. All that is the experience that I thought by this year and missing the playoffs last year that they would put this thing together. And, and, and really, it's the core of the team that I'm looking for more from, and I'm just not seeing it. And it starts with your number one center, but there are other players. Pierre-Luc Dubois, I think, finally looks healthy the past two or three games coming off that injury. And he's the kind of guy, if you listen to his comments after the game in L.A., but also the way he plays, he brings his teammates into the fight. He'll go through some guys. He'll go through the tough areas and get to the net. Things like that. He was mixing it up with the LA Kings on Saturday, and it just doesn't seem to be sparking much else. So they collectively have to be better, and they collectively have to get consistent at being better. I still think they'll make the playoffs. I really do. I think they're too good not to, and they've done so well in the first half. But I don't know what happens once they do, but they've got to figure it out in this last three weeks because they need more from this. This is playoff time, and playoff time is when good teams elevate themselves, and we're just not seeing that right now. One of our listeners says at this point, I'd rather see the team miss the playoffs than get to the first round and get swept. That's not fun for me. So that's where some of the attitudes lie right now. But we'll have to, <laughs> I've, I've, we'll have heard, to, I've heard, heard a lot of that, actually. Yeah. But to me, it's like you don't you don't play that way, right? You play to get in. Once they get in, I will say this. I don't know what this team will do in the playoffs. I, I mean, I like the way they played against L.A. If they could win a face-off, that game is is probably very even. But they can't win a face-off. And, and those are basics. And that's the thing that I, that I think a lot of teams are frustrated with. If you had a little more effort, if you could do some basics, like win a board battle down low from your top six players or win a face-off, then you have something. So if they can do that, which is all correctable, I think they could win a round or two in the playoffs. But I also think if they keep playing like this and make it, they could get swept in the first round. 
Jim, we wanted to talk some curling and uh, other stuff, but uh, clearly uh, the Jets are on a lot of people's minds, as many text messages as we get on just about anything coming in about the Jets at the moment. Jets at noon with yourself and Cam Poitras, 12 till 1, 1 to 3, Jim Toe Show. Lots of opportunities to talk hockey over the next several days. We'll catch up with you soon, my friend. Thanks for this. Yeah, thank you both. And uh, just on the curling, uh, Anderson winning that bronze is what you said, Greg. It's the hardest game to win, so good for them to do that and get another bronze. And Loren, I take black coffee and maybe a donut. It'd be nice for a change. Sorry, what? Nothing. I'll talk to you later. You feel like you've just been bringing me a bunch of coffee? Is that what's going on? He wants black coffee and a donut. I know that, but he's making it sound like that's all he does is just bring me food and like... Oh, I know, and it's time for you to pay him back to to even things out. This is not the world Mm. I live in. Even Maybe Steven. some trail mix, a banana, <laughs> I don't know. Toth. Have a good day. You too. We'll see you in a bit. This the tr- is this the Trogs version of uh, Wild Thing? It sure is. You don't look happy about that. Oh, no, this is a great song. Uh, Major League is one of of my favorite motion pictures. Yeah. And when Charlie Sheen comes out of the bullpen in that American League Championship Series game and the owner of the Cleveland team says I what she says. this it's song that with line, an expletive. It's the best line in the whole movie. A movie full of great lines. Yeah, and you know what? It's actually really apropos. I don't know if you thought of this, Fortier, if you're trying to get us to think about baseball, but opening day for Major League is just a few days away. That's one sign of spring, Greg. Yes. So is my Crunchy Bar. Greg said to me off air, do you have a favorite chocolate bar, Loren? Mm-hmm. And I said, I was like, oh, I don't know. That's a good question. And then he's like, I'll be right back. And so I'm all excited for what Greg's bringing back into the studio. And then he marches in and he flashes super proudly a crunchy bar. And then I felt terrible because I was like, oh, of all the chocolate bars, I got to be honest, that's not the one for me. You were not born in the late 60s. Sponge toffee was like a staple at the Isaac Brock Community Center. You could just buy it in a package. It was about two inches by two inches and about one inch thick. Ugh. And you bite that sucker off and just let it melt in your mouth. And, of course, the Crunchy Bar combines chocolate and sponge toffee. And uh, I, I just love don't it. get it. I don't get the texture of that. It's I said it, it's the same way I feel about crepes. I don't get their texture. But anyway. It, it's we like loofah for your sponge. Uh, loofah for your tongue. Yeah, I don't like it. Yeah, okay, fair enough. <laughs> so it doesn't feel like spring out there. But at least, uh, Loren, in some situations, some circumstances, some ways, it does look like it. Well, so we were asking for signs of spring this morning. Kevin says he spotted a few geese. Yves says for him, signs of spring are out there in terms of the mud he's seen. He's a truck driver. And also the fact that there are road restrictions now for heavy trucks. Because, of course, as the ground softens, they put those road restrictions in place for heavier trucks so that they don't create more divots and potholes and, and all the rest. So that's a sign for Yves. But what else should we be, be should we be watching for? Barrett Miller of Fort Wade Alive joins us now. Good morning, Barrett. Good morning, Loren. So give us some good news. Are you seeing, beyond the drips and drabs of the snow melting, what signs of spring are you seeing out your way? Well, one of the most reliable ones is tree buds. Uh, and anybody can see this. The tree buds right across every tree species, they're really starting to swell as our days are getting longer and the sun is more intense. Now, the trees, for not having a brain, are pretty smart. and They're not going to put their leaves out until it's warm enough. 
but they do get ready. So they're really, really prepared when those temperatures do hit. So if you look at the trees in your neighborhood, the buds are going to look ah, twice as big as they did a month ago. And every day, if you watch them really closely, they're going to swell up a little bit. So that one, that, that's always my hope in a late spring like we're having. That's a good one. We are seeing geese starting to come back, but there's this giant snowpack between Fargo and Winnipeg that uh, the geese get up. They have to fly into the north wind, and when they look down, they see snow, and they are content to stay on the Great Plains just south of here. Um, watch for when that snow melts, massive waves of geese coming in very quickly on the south wind. Do they sort of hang out a little bit further south uh, at this time of year, Barrett, waiting for the waiting for the for the temperatures to turn here and for for spring to actually arrive? How are they How are they managing that if they've started their migration, uh, say a few weeks ago from the deep south? You know, migration north is a lot easier than the migration south, Greg. They do follow the snow line. If you look at uh, bird spottings, uh, unfortunately, if you look at the prevalence of avian flu, if you look at any of those indicators of migrating waterfowl, it follows the snow line. Um, In a spring where we didn't have a lot of snow on the ground this last week of March, we would be seeing geese arrive. Um, They will sometimes take a leap of faith and fly here while there's still some snow on the ground. We saw a little bit of that last year. But if they get up in the air and they look north and all they can see is snow, they're, "Eh, you know what, I'm pretty good where I am. All of a sudden, Iowa, Nebraska, these look like good places to stay. (laughs) Park it there for now. So, Barrett, one of our listeners asked, what about skunks? The the contest right now in her yard is skunk one, dog zero. So the skunks making more of an appearance or any animals like that? So skunks are a fun one. They usually wake up around minus 10. And when it's below minus 10, they'll just go back to sleep. They're not a true hibernator. They take super naps. They go into a state called torpor. It's sort of like a low-power mode for mammals. Um, male skunks wake up at a slightly lower temperature than female skunks to stake out their territory. So I can't help but wonder whether it was a male staking out the yard that maybe skunked the dog. But, you know, I'm not actually... Daytime temperatures, yes, but the skunks normally sleep during the day anyway. I'm not seeing a ton of temperatures in the next little bit that are going to keep get the skunks stirring. But you know what? When we had a warm wave a couple weeks ago, sort of end of February, beginning of March, and then into the second week of March, there were definitely skunks moving around, reminding us spring was on the way. Uh, Barrett, I'm bringing you to a dinner party one of these days. Uh, I think you'd be the best wingman in the business. <laughs> Loren and I are just sitting here just fascinated by the things you're teaching us about skunks. I saw a deer in the heart of St. Boniface. I know the Seine River isn't far away, and we're never really that far from from water. And I, I know the deer like to sort of use that as their, their uh, freeway system in the city to move from neighborhood to neighborhood. But I found it really odd in the neighborhood that I did see a deer. And then uh, I don't think it was yesterday because it wasn't up that early. So it must have been Friday morning. I saw a fox on Henderson Highway. Do the foxes, do, the, do they hibernate a little bit and, and uh, them getting moving, moving around? Is that a sign of spring as well? Um, foxes being a little bit more active to feed their kits is a sign of spring. The foxes are active just about every day of the year, though, Greg. Um, it can be minus 35 with a wind chill, and the fox are still out hunting. It, might, it doesn't usually snow when it's that cold, but 
One of the coolest, literally and figuratively, outdoor experiences you can have in Winnipeg is seeing fresh fox tracks, not in the snow, but in the frost. It's only your tracks, maybe your dog and the fox, because those are the only three animals that are moving, leaving tracks. Mm. So they don't really take much of a winter break. Foxes, owls, coyotes, they're all getting a little bit more active. Um, we're up at dawn and dusk, especially now with the time shift, as are they, so we're seeing them. And as spring rolls on and little ones arrive, they have to feed the family, so they need to get a little bit uh, more efficient with their hunting. I wonder if the deer... Now, where you saw the deer, Greg, was there any exposed grass? I wonder whether mm. the deer were maybe chewing on some uh, roadside grass, taking advantage of our city streetscape to get a snack on something... That's not a woody branch, something a little bit tastier. Yeah, it was Enfield Crescent. And so I think it was a south-facing yard that this deer was trying to get to. And there was, now that you mentioned it, I've got a picture. I'm not uh, I'm not making this up. Just that little hint, maybe that two or three inches on either side of the sidewalk showing. And also there were, was uh, maybe a lilac bush or something a little bit larger. Not a super tall tree, but like, a, like a, something mm-hmm. that would be a bush or a hedge or something uh, later on in the spring. Deer do love lilacs. Um, I grew up in deer country. They will, they love those, especially as the buds swell in the spring. And even though it might be brown and dry and look pretty unappealing to us lawn-wise, those two or three inches of spring are the deer's crunchy bar after a steady winter diet of riverside twigs. So, uh, no, that was a sweet little snack. South-facing, it was probably doing the cat thing and enjoying some sunshine, too. Going to have a little snack and lay down in the sunshine for a little fiesta. Greg and the deer are liking crunchy bars together. Is that's that the right. takeaway? Yeah, that's right. A little bit of, of, of sweetness. Uh, the deer also, I was um, amazed at, at the color of its coat. It was very gray. Okay, that's a sign that we are still in winter. Uh, deer here in Manitoba get a gray, more camouflaged, heavier winter coat. And they'll actually shed that over the next couple of weeks to be sort of a very nice, tawny, reddish brown. Um, that usually happens by the end of May. Uh, you can often find long gray hair on the snow along deer trail just as the snow is melting. Or if that deer did lie down in that yard, Kind of like the dog is shedding, uh, the deer are shedding this time of year as well. Female deer are well on into carrying their fawns. Watch for those fawns to start dropping any time between Mother's Day and um, uh, July 1st. Okay, 30 seconds, Barrett. Not much time, but do you have any room left at your camps this week? Spring break's underway. Lots of kids looking to get outside, even if it's cooler than normal for spring break. Yeah, what we do you- don't have room in our camps any longer, but every day this week, you can check out fortwhite.org, our events calendar. We've got lots going on. Uh, today is our mindfulness moment day. We've got something for everybody. Want to call attention to Friday? We have a farm tour behind the scenes at Fort White Farms at 11 and 2 p.m. with my colleague, Connor. Come and see a working small-scale farm behind the scenes. Barrett, you are a wealth of information. You deliver it with an entertaining flair, and uh, you're genuinely one of our favorite guests. We appreciate you joining us this morning, and, and happy spring break to you and everyone at Fort White. Thank you very much, Greg and Lauren.